Hello and welcome to another edition of Christian Deep Dive. Today we're going to take a little bit of a walk through church history and see how the basic simple gospel message of salvation, and that is faith that Jesus Christ came to this earth, he was crucified on the cross, he died for our sins, and if we would receive that, if we, if we accept that, then Jesus took our sin, we get his righteousness, and only because of him and nothing else are we saved. Only because of that and nothing else will we spend eternity with him in heaven. But historically, the message has been skewed and added to, and like I said, I want to take a little walk through church history to see how that is true. Let's start out by looking at Acts chapter 7, and with verse 51, Stephen, one of the deacons of the early church in the book of Acts, uh, he had just gone through a long history, and I won't take time to read that because it would take up probably the whole podcast, but he goes through a whole history of how the Jewish nation in the past has done all these things to persecute those who had the true message. And he says in verse 51, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. Why do you always resist the Holy Spirit? Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. And certainly that's... Uh, that's, that's what happened here with Stephen, is he's really giving them a hard time and showing them that uh, whenever the truth seems to be preached, you guys distort it. You distort it in some way. And so you'll see if you study the book of Romans, especially chapters 9 and 10, uh, Paul goes into a lot of this with why the Jews uh, who were given the message uh, ultimately rejected it, and it was given to the Gentiles. Of course, some Jews came along and were converted, but as a whole, that's what happened. And so the early church grew and prospered. Those that believed in Jesus Christ, those who had, had received him completely as their Savior, the only one who you know, could allow them to live like they're to live and that would fill them with his Spirit and that would be everything that we need. But after a short time, things started to change. Indeed, by the beginning of the fourth century, when the Emperor Constantine decided that the world would become Christian, so to speak, and bring the Roman Empire into the Christian church, that changed everything drastically. You see, Roman, the Roman Empire, of course, if you study that, was full of paganism. And so what happened when Constantine did this paganism merged with true Christianity. The result of that was what became the Roman Catholic Church and that just started the whole thing falling down into the Middle and Dark Ages. In fact, by the Middle Ages, what you find is going on in uh, what was called the Church is pretty much the exact opposite of what the original Christian Church of the New Testament in the time of the Book of Acts was. And so, you see what, what the Apostle was dealing with regarding the Jews and their legalism and their tradition uh, had become exactly, you know, they were depending more on their tradition, more on their rules and regulations than anything else. So you had a hardened church. And 
you started to see through church history people that would come along in the 1300s there was a guy named uh, John Wycliffe he was a priest in the church but after reading the scriptures he came to see I guess what I'll call it what the travesty that the medieval church would had become so he started to preach the truth and to show no one is saved as a result of sacraments or good works or the intercessions of the church and the priesthood he started to see this doctrine of justification by faith but boy if you read his story he was really really persecuted and of course that that goes on then you get to the point where you get to Martin Luther who was suddenly awakened I think by the spirit to see the scriptures to see that there is only one way of salvation and that is justification by faith <clears throat> now when he started to preach this opposition to him didn't so much come from the world but it came from the very church that he was within the people that should have welcomed the message the people that throughout the centuries had been guardians of the scriptures so-called and appointed to preach them and that basically was persecuted again this is almost a carbon copy of what happened to Jesus and the Apostles when they were preaching the truth and the Jew it wasn't the world that was persecuting them in those days it was the very uh, religious quote-unquote group that was supposed to be having it was given the law that was given the scriptures and uh, this not only happened to Luther but eventually to John Calvin over in Europe out on the same continent and then there's people there's pilgrims and that that emigrated to America and people that came back and forth such as Whitfield the Wesley brothers people like that and persecution became a really really big thing again not from the world but from people within the so-called church at that time interesting to note that persecution has usually come from people that should have been the first to rejoice in the gospel the people that should rejoice in revival are usually the people that oppose it um, again it just amazes me as I've studied church history and it's one of the first things I did when I became a Christian because I always wondered why there were so many denominations how did that happen so I did a I did a personal study of that it's interesting to note as I do look at church history that when the church has become asleep or dead and hardened and really without understanding that God has usually through history revived his work by putting it on somebody unexpected somebody what the world would say unimportant again if you look at the history of awakenings and revivals it's usually some obscure person not a great uh, ecclesiastical person or somebody that's well known but it's generally been somebody who God has laid his hands on and filled with the spirit and wakened them to see the truth of the true gospel and try to bring people back to the truth and again you can read more about that in Romans uh, chapter 9 and 10 especially really the whole book of Romans that's really the theme but you can see a lot of that there um, again let's go back to the Jews they wanted nothing to do with the real message they had their tradition they had their ways and um, you go back then up to Martin Luther Martin Luther was of course a Catholic priest and really from what I've read about him he had no intention of leaving the Church of Rome when he set out there was nothing further from his mind than leaving the church he simply wanted to reform it but the body that he came from the church body he came from refused that truth so in the 16th century I believe um, that's when the so-called Protestant Church came into effect and there it stood 
filled with truth, with power, preaching the gospel and receiving this persecution from the Catholic Church. That's real how, how it all started. Now, did they recovered all the truth? No, but they had certainly more truth than the Roman Church had at that time. But then the cycle of persecution started again out of a segment that came out of the Protestant movement was the Church of England, which was huge. Um, the Protestant Reformation really based, it was based with that, the Church of England, which is what they became. And she started to reject a lot of things that was being pre preached by the Puritans. And there was all sorts of arguments and things that happened again, because again, what had crept in? Different traditions and things like that. Um, and all of a sudden you saw later in the 18th century, you had George Whitfield, the Wesley brothers. Um, they were part of the Church of England, but they were being persecuted because of what they were saying. Again, bringing the true evangelical message which started out well with Luther, but then everything started to slide again. And I, I, I just can't help but say, but when you start to see all of this happening, I see it happening today as well, and, and I, will, I will get to that. I mean, what is the position today? Do these verses have anything to say to anything that belongs to this present generation? By that I mean the way Stephen went and went through history. We could almost do the exact same thing Stephen did and go through church history and talk about all the people that were persecuted, just like Stephen said, how all the Jewish leaders persecuted the prophets and people that had the truth. I think that you could definitely say that. You find today that even the Protestant church, which has always fought the Roman Catholic church on this very question of tradition, is now still talking about this thing with all these councils and things like that. When I was growing up, I would hear about the World Council of Churches. And that was something, again, where they were trying to do this economical thing where they were bringing all the churches together, all the traditions, and trying to streamline them. And at that time, again, the, I was raised in the Catholic Church, so I know what I'm talking about. It was always the Word of God plus tradition tradition and the Bible were held to be very important, extremely important. But now in the Protestant churches, and you take your pick which, uh, which one, obviously, in my opinion, some of the little denominations are better than some others. Some have more truth than others. Uh, but the ones that are gathering together and they're trying to talk about culture and tradition and everything else, I start to see the pattern where things are getting that way where you have what I would call discernment ministries. And what they do, to me, they're doing the same thing that the Pharisees did. Uh, you go to a web page of some of these places that call themselves discernment ministries, and what do you see? You see a, simply a web page with maybe, I mean, I'm not kidding, 400 different things about different groups and people that are wrong, and they're right about, they're right about everything, and uh, everybody else is wrong. Now, let me say something about discernment ministries. Nothing wrong with them if they're really seeking the truth. I mean, hey, if you re listen to all my podcasts, you'll know I have some discernment stuff on there where I'm talking about some of the prosperity preachers and some of the people that are really distorting people. But again, there's a big difference between those who have bad intentions and those who have good intentions and simply may be wrong. And it's okay to point that out, but you gotta do it in love. Some of these discernment ministries are downright scathing. Um, right now I'm studying the book of Job, and I think the very first uh, discernment ministry was 
his three friends that were sitting there, so-called friends, talking to him and uh, giving them bad advice, but they, of course, they thought they knew it all. And so beware of these type of groups that get together and they talk about their tradition and that that's really matters even more than doctrine. See, there's a lot of attack against doctrine these days. People don't like certain doctrines, so because they don't like them, they try to tell us that they don't matter, that doctrine divides. And I say that's not the case. We need to be specific in our preaching. Uh, we, we need to be talking about what the Bible says. Uh, right now I go, to, I go to a church where uh, the preacher is going through the Bible line by line. And I think that's important because you can't skip through everything. You've got to hit every doctrine that is in that book. And I think that is so important today. And it's lacking in a lot of churches. And that's why some people in some of these churches never grow beyond what I would call a second grade education of the Bible or the Word of God. One thing that happens when you depreciate the idea of doctrine is that uh, you, you start getting into this cultural thing where people say, well, men and women can make themselves Christians by living a good life or by doing good works. The New Testament gospel of salvation is a free gift. The doctrine that Christ bore the punishment of our sins on his own body and on the cross is ridiculed and the works and imitation of Christ are put in its place. Perfect example of that is you'll hear people say, well, I like the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus gives us um, certain rules to live by. Oh, really? Try living by those rules. Try doing it without a Savior. Try doing it without the Holy Spirit enabling you to do these things. But I've heard all my life people say, oh, the only part of the Bible I read is the Sermon on the Mount because that's what we try to do because Jesus was a good person and this is how we're supposed to live. And you can ask that person, well, you follow all those things? Oh, sure, I try to live by the Sermon on the Mount. Well, <laughs> what about the part where it says even if you hate somebody, it's the same as killing them? Well, I don't kill people, but yeah, I guess I hate. You can tell that they haven't even looked at it that deeply just by kind of probing a little bit. But that's what's happening in our culture today, where a lot of churches are pushing, uh, imitating Christ as far as his rules and regulations, if you want to call it that. I don't call it that. It's living the way he wants us to live. Uh, instead of the fact that his blood was spilled for us and uh, what it really means to have a Savior and what it really means to be in sin, what it really means to be delivered from sin, all of that seems to be really watered down in this day and age. So as I pointed out, as I did my very, very quick and brief review of history, the original church that was going the way, you know, Jesus wanted it to, eventually through error became the Roman Catholic Church. The Church of England came out of that, and yet in a very short time, the same Church of England was persecuting people who were persecuting the right message. And I wonder what has happened to that today. Uh, Again, I see people that have been hardened in their institutions and eventually they become the exact opposite of what they wanted to be when all this began. You see, we have to test everything by the scriptures. There's no test apart from that. Um, as you read through the Apostle Paul, he bases everything on the scriptures. You know, he even points to the Old Testament. He says, listen to what Moses said. Listen to what Isaiah said, you know. Um, he says that towards the end of Romans chapter 10. He talks about, he quotes Isaiah. I don't, just don't have time to go there. Um, and we have to take the scriptures as a whole. We have to take them as they are. We can't, we must allow those scriptures to speak to us, to search us, 
And what I'm afraid of, we can't just use the scriptures to prove our prejudices or show that we are right in our position. We have to submit to them in every respect. That's where some of the discernment ministries go wrong is they really don't care so much what the scriptures say if they don't prove, help prove their position. So they focus on those things and that's all they seem to care about. And how does that really help anybody? Um, so I got to ask you, do you recognize yourself in the New Testament description of a Christian man or woman? Um, you believe in doctrine, which is a lot of people call that orthodoxy. You have orthodoxy. First uh, Peter 1 8 says, whom having not seen you love and whom, so now you see him not yet you believe, you rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Are you filled with that spirit? Now, getting back to the discernment ministries, I hate to keep harping on that. Some of them that have some of these web pages uh, that are persecuting people, um, you know, I think if they ever smiled, their face would crack. You know, I've seen some of them on YouTube or pictures and things like that. Uh, what has that got to do with speaking a gospel that's joy unspeakable and full of glory, being filled with the Holy Spirit? You see, that's the New Testament script, Christian. We've got to take all the scriptures. The, the New Testament church was not only full of doc, doctrine and orthodoxy, as we like to say, but it was a church filled with joy and power. Is your church like that? Are you like that? Let us judge ourselves by the scriptures. So I want to start to close this by kind of <clears throat> giving you a challenge. And that is, it's a challenge to myself as well. Let's always be watchful. Let's always examine ourselves. Let's not assume that because we were once right, we are still right. I can't tell you as I've been growing as a Christian how many times I've had to alter or change my position because new light shed on me and I had to, I had to you know, swallow my pride and say, no, this is, uh, this is really what it is. Why? Because I really am looking for truth. I want to know what's right. I want to know what's true. We have to keep ourselves open. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.21 said, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Um, I'm afraid sometimes there's a tendency on the part of a lot to down everything. Whenever there's a new movement of God's spirit, they don't even consider it, but they condemn it because it's newer, because it's unusual, or it didn't come from their particular movement. Well, you know what? What did the Jews do to Jesus, right? You know, was what Jesus was talking new? Was it different? Yeah, it was, and they didn't accept it. Why? Because they really weren't looking for truth. I think if you're looking for truth, God will open your eyes. But if you're not, and you just want to protect your movement or whatever you belong to, then that's not going to happen. So let us just be aware, let's be awake that when God in his grace, in his mercy, his sovereignty does decide to revive his work somewhere in the world by a mighty revival, just like he did with Wycliffe, just like he did with Martin Luther and many others, Calvin through history. And we might get bypassed if we're so rigid because of our self-satisfaction, because we won't accept what God may be choosing to do something in a way that we've never seen or heard of. Now, he's not going to violate his word, but the Spirit, Holy Spirit is a sovereign Lord too. And boy, let's just be careful not to try to limit him. Because again, as, as I study church history, that's all I see. Just like Stephen saw with the history of the Jews, I can see it with the history of the Christian church, quenching the Spirit, resisting the Spirit, quenching the Spirit. And we'll be very guilty of the same thing the Jews did, the very guilty of the very same thing the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church has done, the very same thing that the Church of England did. 
let God preserve us from such a thing. So I think I still want to end, though, on a word of hope and that our only hope is what? Jesus Christ. God is still the same. The glorious thing is that God is still, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God moves in his spirit, we want to be a part of that. Certainly he's not dependent on us. He can use any people he has through history. But I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of anything that he wants to do, especially in this godless world that we live in right now. Regardless of all, God's going to carry out his purpose. Um, it's what a tragic, terrible thing to me it is if God should carry on his work by bypassing us all together. I certainly don't want to do that. Um, so let's make certain that we're not in the same position as the Jews so that God, as it were, is not driven to raise up others in order to provoke us to jealousy and to shame as he carries out his great and eternal purpose. I think he's pleading with us. I think he's holding his hands out to us. Um, and I still feel that there's a mighty call of the Spirit of God, even now, of those who call ourselves evangel evangelical or whatever you want to call yourself, Reformed, uh, Baptist, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, but God forbid we should fail because of some hardening of our hearts or hardening in our denomination or churches or whatever, so hard that we cannot tolerate a fresh breeze of the Spirit that God will have to lay us on a side, as it were, and raise up someone else to carry on his great and glorious work. So that's what all I want to really say with this uh, particular podcast. I just, again, reading that scripture by Stephen really, really provoked me into looking again at the history of the church as a whole, the Christian church as a whole, and the dangers I see today. Uh, we need to be discerning. We need to see falseness. We need to point out false teachers and doctrines. And... You know, when you see that, just be discerning and look at it and see, yep, I can see that the spirit behind the people that are pointing out error or false teachers, they're doing it in love, they're doing it in grace. But boy, when you see some of them that are just doing it because that's what they like to do is point out error uh, and, and uh, you know, they don't do anything else really, then beware of that because then when something comes along that really is of God, um, they're going to they're going to reject that too, and so I'm just saying be careful because historically, that's been a bad pattern. I think one of the best things to do is to get alone with God on your own and say, Lord, um, I want truth, no matter what it is, even if it upsets the apple cart of what I've always been taught. If it's of you, if it's if you, let your word speak to me, let me have the right interpretation. If it's of you, then let me receive it. If it's not of you, let me not even consider it. Let me not understand it. Let me not want it. Uh, but Lord, don't bypass me. Let me have everything that you have. I don't want to be like the Jews of old that reject things that were true, like Stephen said. I don't want to be like the Roman Catholic Church that started to depend more on their tradition and more on the way they think things should be in the Church of England, which did the same thing. Lord, I want your truth. I want your way. I want everything that you have for me. And please don't pass me by. God bless you.